So honored to have you here this morning. And I know it's tight. I really want to appreciate those who are in the legacy room in an overflow somewhere hearing everything with a half a second delayed. I promise the language is not that bad, but I know it's a half a second delayed so that uh, they can hear, and I really appreciate that very, very much. I'm not sure if that's the air conditioning or the rain. Is it the rain? Wow. Drove by on 356 down where we lived the other day, and there was a little sign outside of a little shop that said, Ark Building Classes Coming Soon. And I thought, now that's creative. I don't care what they were selling, I wanted to stop in and buy it, just because I thought that was pretty creative. Y'all remember those days in your life when you know at that moment, whatever it may have been, and you may have had a half a dozen of those, where from that point on, everything changed. I mean, think back to your wedding. Single for 12 year, or 20 years, or, or 25 years, or 30, or, or where's John? 45 or 50 years, I know. And then all of a sudden, you get married, and everything changed. No longer are you thinking yourself, you think of someone else, and then all of a sudden, when you finally get that adjusted, what does God wonderfully do? Give you children. And the birth of that first child changes everything. My son-in-law, Eric, when their first child was born, our grandson, who, by the way, today of all days is in the hospital, he said, from that point on, Dad, everything changed. A lot of uncertainties, dealing with an issue, a genetic issue, and he said, from that point on, our lives literally changed. We never know from day to day or week to week what's going to happen when we end up in the hospital, what's going to take place. For others of you, it may have been that first job, that huge career move, when you were waiting and looking, and, and maybe you've tried two or three other ones, but all of a sudden you've got that really huge career change, and from that point on, your life dramatically changed. And for others of you, it may have been a, a very difficult circumstance. A death of a mate, death of a child, or the death of a parent. And I've gone through enough situations like that with people that they all will tell me at one point or the other that at that point, everything changed. There may be a number of events like that in your life, but you know when you begin to rehearse back over them, whatever time that may be in your life, and you look at some of those events, you recognize that at that point, things really did dramatically change. Easter is the day that changed everything. The events of the crucifixion had to leave the disciples stunned. As I said on Friday night, if you were here gathering with us, no matter how many times Jesus tried to prepare his disciples for what they were going to see on that Passover week, there's no way on the planet that he could have fully prepared them for what was about to take place. No matter how many times he said, I'm going to be crucified, no matter how many times he said, I'm going to be flogged and beaten, it was not until they saw it, not until they were there, not until they stood beneath that cross that they actually somehow processed what it was that Jesus had been saying probably for the last six months up till that point. And even then, as I said on Friday night, one of the verses in John remind us that even then, it wasn't until after he was glorified that they fully got what he said. In Matthew 27, it said, When the centurion saw those who were guarding Jesus, and they saw the earthquake and all that had happened and Jesus dying, they were terrified, and he exclaimed, Surely this was the Son of God. Centurion was a commander in the Roman army, and even he was stunned with the events that had taken place. Every single individual that was close to Jesus had to leave the scene of the cross numb. On the cross, Jesus died. Scripture says he gave up the ghost. The soldiers said he was dead. The agents of Pilate said he was dead. 
Reports everywhere said he's dead. Matthew 27 said, As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered it to be given to him. He took the body and he wrapped it in fine linen cloth and he placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock and he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and then he went away. At that moment, everything on this earth hung in the balance. The world waited, heaven waited. I said last Sunday morning, I can't even fathom what it must have been like for God and all of creation to wait for this moment for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Since before the beginning of the foundation of the world, no one can fully grasp what that means. They had been planning for this day. They had been planning for this weekend. And I have to believe all of heaven held its breath when Joseph laid Jesus in the tomb. Everything at that moment in all of creation stood still, waiting for Easter Sunday morning. Over and over again, Jesus said he was going to rise again. Every single gospel predicts it. Matthew 20, after three days I'll rise again. Mark chapter 8, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, but after three days rise again. Mark 9, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, but after three days he will rise. Luke chapter 18, on the third day he will rise again. And then came Easter Sunday morning. Luke chapter 24, if you have your Bibles this morning, the first eight verses say this. On the first day of the week, early in the morning, the women took spices that they had prepared and they went out to the tomb. They found the stone had been rolled away. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember, he told you that while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, but on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his saying. Everything changed that Easter Sunday morning, forever. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, if everything had stayed the same as it was on Friday night, if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless and our faith is in vain. More than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God because we said that God would raise Jesus from the dead. And if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. There is absolutely no hope without what Jesus did for us on the cross, but as well what he did on Sunday morning when he rose from the dead. And all those, Paul said, who are fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Then he goes on to say, but Jesus Christ has indeed raised from the dead. Everything changed that first Easter Sunday morning. The penalty of my sin, my past, is covered by the death and resurrection of Jesus. I get a brand new start. Jesus paid for all of my sins on the cross. I no longer have to look back. All I can do now is look ahead. I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't have to worry about my past. When I come to faith in Jesus Christ because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, I no longer have to look over my shoulder for what happened to me in the past or what I did in the past. It is all covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's an incredible gift that I no longer have to look back. I can just now look ahead. Because right, Christ rose from the dead, I know I'll live forever. That truth makes all the difference in the world. I see the difference the resurrection makes every single time I go to the funeral home. 
In ministry, I've done over twice as many funerals as I've done weddings. Yesterday, I did two funerals. And every single time I either go to the funeral home or participate in a funeral, I see the difference the resurrection of Jesus Christ made. I've looked into the eyes of people so hollow and empty because they had no idea where their loved one's going to be. They had no idea what had just taken place. Their world had been turned upside down, obviously, because maybe they left this world too early. But without the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, either in the individual that passed away or as well in the person that is standing there, there is no hope. But with the hope of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead, I can see the light in their eyes. There is sadness, absolutely. Without the resurrection of Jesus, it makes all the difference in the world as to how you deal with life and death. Our belief in the resurrection of Christ changes everything about our understanding of death and the future. I know for sure that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven to be with Christ. I may worry about the when and the how, but not the where. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and because he rose from the dead on that Easter Sunday morning, I know exactly where I'm going to go when I die. That's the greatest gift God could have ever given us because every single one of us are going to die. You can tuck it, you can squeeze it, you can hold it in, you can do everything you want, you can shoot it up, you can do all kinds of things to preserve that life. But I'm here to tell you, I hope I'm not going to disappoint you, we're all going to die. Every single one of us in this room, at some point or the other, is going to die. The how and the, and the when maybe is what you ought to wonder about, but you never want to wonder about the where. Don't you want to know that when you die and leave this world that we're all going to do, you see Jesus face to face, the very next sight in your life is Jesus Christ face to face? That's what the resurrection brings us, that kind of absolute certainty. The moment I leave this world, I see Jesus face to face. I don't have to wonder, I don't have to worry, I don't have to fret. I know because of the resurrection of Christ exactly where I'm going to go when I die. Out of all the promises that he brings us, I think that's one of the most amazing and obviously one of the greatest gifts of the resurrection. And I hope you know for certain. Absolute for certain. Not I hope so. I'm pretty sure. I wish I would go. That you know. John said, I have written this so that you can know you have eternal life. It's because of the resurrection of Christ. If you receive Christ as your Savior, you can know for sure in a very unpredictable world, that's incredible news. Resurrection of Jesus not only faces how I live in the future, it faces my every day. I can face the present reality of the living Christ because of what Jesus did. Brendan Manning says, the meaning, purpose, and the goal of everything that happens to us and the way to make it all count can only be learned through the way, the truth, and the life, and the resurrection of Jesus. Living in the awareness of the resurrection of Christ is the key that opens up the door to absolutely grasping the meaning of life. Problems of life can be overwhelming at times. One single phone call can change your life. Your son has been arrested. The doctor needs to see you tomorrow. Wind can be taken out of your sails and we find ourselves empty and numb inside. But when we know Christ, we feel this incredible arms of love surrounding us and walking us through the night. And it's not just Jesus' ability to walk you through tragedy, but to give guidance when you need it, to give purpose and direction in life, a joy you can't even explain. You have someone to go to God on our behalf. 
Hebrews 4 says, Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, we can hold firmly to the faith we possess. We don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way like us, yet didn't sin. And in light of that, we can come to God's throne boldly because that grace and confidence that he gives us, and we know that when we do, we're going to receive mercy and find grace and his help every time we have a need. Before the resurrection, those who were there were consumed with fear. They had no joy, they had no power, they had no hope. Jesus talked to the two men on the way to Emmaus, and one of the phrases that came out of their mouth, we had hoped that he'd be the one. John chapter 20 says, when he showed them his hands and his side, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I got to believe that's one of the greatest understatements in Scripture. Do you remember when Jesus asked the disciples at one point in his ministry, who do men say that I am? The disciples began to respond. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Some say John the Baptist. Finally, Peter said, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, you're right. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples, and then a week later to the one who wasn't there, Thomas, who we've been putting down for 2,000 years, as the one who doubted what it was that went on and what took place. And so the next week when he appeared to Thomas and he said, here, look at my hands, look at my side, Thomas makes an amazing statement. No longer now you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says this, my Lord and my God. For the very first time, that phrase was used. Not the Son of the living God or the Son of God, of which he was. My Lord and my God. You are God. And the God of the universe died for me. The God of the universe rose again from the dead so that I could have my sins forgiven. The God of the universe died on a cross, rose from the dead, so that I can have my own future life, knowing that it's certain in his hands. And you are a God who retained your wounds. That's a God I can serve. Because that tells me that you know exactly how I feel. You know when I walk through pain. You know when I walk through uncertainty. You're a God who retains your wounds. You know exactly what I'm going through. No matter how dark the night, no matter how uncertain the times, you know how I feel. You know where I'm at. You'll never leave me or forsake me. You know exactly what I need. My past is forgiven, my future is secure, and my present is incredible. I've got a God who loves me, cares for me, walks with me, who will never leave me. The resurrection of Jesus changes all of that and everything. That's why we celebrate it. It changed how the disciples lived, it changed how they died. They turned their world upside down, according to Acts 17, with the story of the risen Christ. Easter is a historical event, but it's not just an historical event. It's an event that happened 2,000 years ago that can have the same effect and the same power in your life today as it did then. If you allow Jesus Christ to come into your life, he can give you hope and joy and peace and forgiveness, amazing grace, and an incredible future. He wants to do a miracle in your life. I've seen Jesus change lives time after time by those who let him. You may say, you have no idea what I'm going through. And you may be right. But what I do know is what I've seen Jesus do. And it's incredible. 
Jesus Christ rose from the dead in that same resurrection power and that amazing grace is offered to anybody who asks. Romans 5 said, Many died by the trespasses of one man, but how much more did God's incredible grace and gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many. One of my favorite characters in the gospel is Peter. Always had something to say. Shot his mouth off sometimes when he even wasn't asked for. But he responded to every situation and circumstance. Jesus predicted the events of this particular week on a number of occasions. One of them in Matthew chapter 26, he said to his disciples this. Guys, I want you to know this very night, you're all going to fall away on account of me. I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen from the dead, I'll go ahead of you in Galilee. Peter, the one who always has something to say, said, even if they all fall away on account of you, I never will. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. A few hours later, Peter's commitment was put to the test, and he failed miserably. Not once, not twice, three times. He denied not only being with Jesus, at one point he denied even knowing who he was. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three tell us that as a result of that circumstance, Peter was crushed by his response to those challenges. He went out and wept bitterly. But only one, John, of all of the writers, John, tells us what happened the next time he met Jesus. Peter returned to the life he knew before he met Jesus, returned to his life as a fisherman, until an event happened that day on the shores of that particular sea in which he was fishing that changed everything. I want to let two of my favorite guys tell the story. They're the skit guys. I want you to listen very carefully. They are so humorous at times, you miss some great lines by the laughter. But listen to how they tell the story of Jesus and Peter being reunited again after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat, and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice, and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there, and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net, and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up, and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it. All right. Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. 
Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We we're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep him out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait. Yeah. The angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that grace is extended to all of us. Doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done. Doesn't matter how bad our past has been, what circumstances have taken place. It doesn't matter. God's incredible, amazing grace is available to all. Anybody who asks. That's an amazing gift. I don't have to look back. I can look ahead. And I know when it's all said and done, I can look up. I hope you know that as well. This day, 2,000 and some years ago, changed everything. And it can change your life. If you know Christ is your Savior, you already know how your life has changed. If you don't, this could be the day that could change everything forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace that we can be recipients of all that you poured out to us on the cross. And not just simply know that because you died on the cross, we can have forgiveness of our sins, but because you rose from the dead, we can have life everlasting. We don't have to look back. We can look ahead and look up to know. Because of your grace, we are forgiven and set free. And we can walk in newness of life. Father, we are so thankful for this day. Over 2,000 years we've been celebrating it, and it's still as exciting today as it was then. Because we recognize for many of us in the room, maybe all of us in the room, we know the moment we received you as Savior, our life changed forever. And so we're here to sing and to celebrate that fact. For that one here this morning, or maybe even a few who really aren't certain about the future, may today be the day that changes everything. 
May today be the day they confess their sins and receive you as Savior and know with absolute certainty what the future holds. May today be the day for them that changes everything. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.